New package, same as old man. Say what? Ain't no new package. Just gonna put that same shit out in a different color jail cap is all. Might spike that shit with some procaine or some caffeine, but otherwise the same. Strange, man. People already coming back on us, telling us that shit is weak. I know, shit is weak, but, you know, shit is weak all over. But the thing is, no matter what we call heroin, it's gonna get sold. Shit is strong, we gonna sell it. Shit is weak, we gonna sell twice as much, you know why? Because a fiend, you gonna chase that shit no matter what. It's crazy, you know? We do worse, and we get paid more. It will surprise absolutely nobody that today's show will solely focus on the news from Sunday night that 12 clubs have announced a breakaway league that threatens to destroy the fabric of the game we all know and love. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ignard, and joining me as always is Andrew Conway. We're all fiends, Seclan. We're all fiends. Where should we start with this? Well, just to give everyone who hasn't, uh, or who's been living under a rock, or has been other things going on today, um, 12 clubs who are now to be referred to as founding members of the European Super League have decided to resign. Uh, most of them from the Euro- was the European club thing, whatever they're in. The and ECA also European e- Association. Yeah, so they're basically from UEFA competition, effectively. They are AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, and Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Those 12 teams have decided to break away and form their own European Super League. That league will consist of 20 clubs, so the 12 founders, plus three more spots, which I wonder who they're for, uh, being left uh, open to be the automatic qualification spots, and then five teams who will qualify based on being granted, you know, a membership of this Super League and their continuing performance in the league. So if, if one of these clubs that had been upgraded to this competition then suddenly win it, they might get back in the following year. <laughs> so at the moment, those clubs have said that they are not going to leave their domestic leagues, that they're going to stay in their domestic leagues. So this will not be a replacement for the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A. It is something to be replaced the Champions League effectively. However, the, the domestic leagues don't really want that because there's no way of uh, you know, accessing this tournament from domestic tables. So maybe they might leave this domestic league. Overall, it's because of money. Um, JP Morgan, the, the financial institution, has underwritten this uh, to the amount of, uh, three, I think, 3.5 billion euro. And uh, that money is expected to be paid back via the, the sale of commercial rights, t- television, internet, what a sponsorship to... Um, to whoever wants to who whoever wants to show this tournament <coughs> excuse me when it starts and uh from that they're expected in i think i think they had a 20 year projection that um 10 billion euro will be given to each club uh, for solidarity payments similar to what happens with with fifa and their members so each of those founder clubs plus those extra clubs will will be able to share in that 10 billion each um, over I think a 20 year period which will just basically cement them as the super clubs in Europe something like the NFL or, or Major League Baseball in America um, I think <laughs> I, I don't know really where to, where to go from that uh, Declan there, it is a bit crazy um, we, we've heard about this for many years uh, it's often been mooted back in the early 90s I, I, you can find newspaper articles talking about it you can you know look at 
at you know the foundation of the the Champions League as a way to to kind of the first attempt at trying to do this in the early nineties, and then you know right throughout the nineties and two thousands with the success of the Premier League, the success of the the power of clubs in, in that situation really grew to the, to the stage that certain clubs around Europe wanted to be in something breakaway that they could maximize their revenues from. And really COVID has accelerated that and brought us to the point where they've decided that they're not making enough money from the, the ludicrous amounts they make from, from uh, television revenues currently and the, the crazy amounts they can charge the fans for, for watching games in the stadium when they were allowed to do that and from, from commercial deals as well. And decided that they can make more from breaking away and do, running it all themselves away from all of these uh, pesky little clubs and countries that, that that compete in the in the giant football pyramid. Um, one thing is to say is that no, no French or German clubs have joined at this point. I think Paris Saint Germain have uh, were expected and, and were really significantly pushed to join, but I think decided not to in the end, allegedly because of the negative impact it could have on on the World Cup in their country uh, next year. And that's fair enough when you when you look at it. They they have a lot of commercial deals. Their B in sport is also owned by the same country as as Paris Saint Germain. So they've invested heavily in in European competition, UEFA competition, particularly the Champions League, and as well as that the the World Cup, obviously. Uh, so it would look bad on on their investment if they if they were to withdraw from UEFA competition. Uh, the German clubs have a different story, but they've also you know stayed away. And you know you expect that the the other three spaces in the permanent members of, of this league were, were set aside for, you You probably imagine, Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich, and probably Borussia Dortmund, um, given their current standing in world football. Yeah, that uh, that's a good summary of it all so far. And it all kind of started on, I suppose, it started to become real on Sunday morning. Uh, I think mm. it was the, the Times and the New York Times both kind of reported around the same time that an announcement was coming. For, I think it was supposed to be half five, then it was supposed to be half nine in, in the evening, Sunday night, and then eventually it came closer to about half ten or eleven. Um, you know, realistically, you know, you, you always want to reveal great news at eleven o'clock at night and on a Sunday night. That's yeah, really when you want to dump your your best news. Uh, the reaction from this is, I think, almost universally been negative. I don't, I don't really see anyone. Other than the the twelve founding clubs championing this idea, um, or and even yeah. then, some of them aren't like the 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 talk is that Chelsea and Man City were really they only joined because uh, everyone else was joining and they didn't want to be left out. Yeah, like uh, and they City haven't were, been publicizing it at all. Man City were the last to join. It sounds like it was initially only mm. five Premier League clubs, and then suddenly. It's Sunday afternoon, it became six. Um, so it does sound like it was Man City that were initially uh, going to be left out, the but they, ups, yeah, yeah, they um they did eventually decide to jump in, in on the bandwagon. So yeah, this is you know I've heard it been described as the the most important or most significant moment in in modern mm. football history, or even just in football history. Um, it's up there with Blatter getting removed from FIFA, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, it is so big like football has obviously changed a lot over the last 150 years but this has such huge ramifications for the entire sport um mm. that uh it, it really is it's hard to kind of gather your thoughts around it properly because it's so big and there's just so much going on like you know even throughout that then tottenham announced that they were sacking their manager yeah 
which, you know, if that had happened any other week, that would have been our headline news. That's what we'd be talking about right now. And instead, it's yeah. a footnote. Yeah. Um, bury, so. yeah, bury your bad news today, I think. is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more bad news to follow in other realms. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Thomas Tuchel is the only manager that's really had to come out to talk about it uh, so far. I, I assume maybe by the time you're listening to this, Jurgen Klopp has also been asked about it because they play Le- Leeds today, Liverpool. Mm. Um, so they, Klopp will no doubt be asked about it by Sky on, on Monday Night Football. So um, in, in a lot of ways, it's, <clears throat> you know, you feel bad for the managers involved because they're the only mm. public figures that are going to be asked about this because, let's face it, these owners are too too cowardly to ever put out anything. You know, this is, <clears throat> I think the Glazers have had one media appearance or one media interview in the 16 years. They've owned Manchester United. They did put out a, a statement or a quote last night, but it was very, um, you know, boardroom speak. This, yeah. this will be good. And in support of uh, president of uh, club or whatever league president, Florentino Perez, the statement, we agree. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was cowardly from, from all of them. And it, you know, I feel bad as well for the social media managers for these people who are the only other people that will have to face any yeah. actual backlash to this. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool's official social media accounts didn't tweet uh, at all today until very recently, until about... Until they months. tweeted about the match, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, which, you know, normally on a match day, they'd be, they'd be at that at 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, hyping it yeah. up, getting fans involved, but uh, not today. Uh, you know, no. we've seen... Liverpool fans have announced that they're taking down, they will be taking down the, the flags from the cop end uh, that yeah. traditionally would be hung over there in support of Liverpool during matches. They very quickly had very black, uh, they had black banners up that said Liverpool FC 1880, whatever it is, to uh, 2021. Mm. Uh, Manchester United fans as well had a, a bedsheet banner out. Um, oh, I know, love the bedsheet banners. Oh, they'll be, um, I, I fully expect an airplane flyover tonight. Uh, yeah, the Liverpool and Leeds match. Um, that that wouldn't surprise me either. Like it, it, the fans, and I think that goes for both of us. Like we're we're not happy with this development. I don't. Again, it's it's the twelve owners of these clubs, and and that's really what's so sad about this is that the clubs themselves, the people involved with the clubs, uh, day in day out, um, you know, they don't really want to be a part of this either. But they're being thrown in at the deep end and made um, be a part of this, their accomplice to it through no fault of their own. Um, mm. And that goes for the managers and the players as well. Like it goes that high up, <clears throat> but uh, you know, there's, there's nothing that they can really do about it because it's, it's the owners no. in charge that, that, that decide everything. So in, in a way, you know, the thing that I feel most is that these clubs are kind of being held hostage to these billionaires who see them as toys, yeah. things. To make well, money making ventures. Yeah, they're not yeah. toys or playthings. They're they're being used. There, there's a reason. There's a distinction made in financial statements between a club and between a business. And in a lot of ways, I know that's been changed by by the PLC and 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 clubs going public. And you know, obviously, Manchester United was one of the first clubs to do that. And their ownership is 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 has a well amount of history around it. And there's a lot of other clubs like that as well. And we've seen them go to the wall. Um, only in the past year we've seen multiple clubs going to wall so some of these clubs may use that as an argument that this is to prevent that in the future by insulating themselves but it is it is glorified protectionism like I've, I've been taking a rather pragmatic view of all of this um, so far anyway um, 
today that I'm, I've not been upset by anything. I, I, I don't see a point in the vitriol or the hot air or the, the anger that's being unleashed on, on social media and other, in those banners that you discussed already. But, but I can understand where that's coming from. At the same time, I'm not celebrating that there's going to be a, this European Super League, you know, and, you know, finally, it's only be the teams that p- people who don't know, you know, a great deal about football play in FIFA, you know, because that's what this is going to be. Um, the popular teams uh, in in those games. The, um, the, the thing I would say though about those people that 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 are wrong with those people. No, no, there's nothing wrong with those people. I'm not saying that you think that, but I think that there's just such a a great sense of helplessness to it all. That you yeah. know, doing it, it's doing something. Yeah, it's um, getting it out. I suppose it might yeah. be a healthy way of expressing it. While I'm just like containing everything and just kind of okay, this Bottling is. It. Yeah, like yesterday reading about it, I was saying, oh, this must be a negotiating tactic. This We've seen this before. There's been talks of European Super Leagues in the past coming up to big votes on the Champions League. And that's something we didn't even mention yet, that the the um, Swiss reforms, as uh, we talked about a few weeks ago now, have, have been were to be voted on today along with other Euro 2020 um, antics. And it was. And, and usually there is a precursor of, of some kind of political maneuvering the night before such votes. And that kind of seemed like it was what, what it was, maybe a bit more than normal, but maybe this was just a, a bargaining chip, a negotiating tactic by the big clubs to gain more power, to gain more revenue share, to, to you know, elect what they want out of things. But, uh, you know, with the resignation of those clubs from the, the European, whatever that's called, um, what's, it, what's it called again, the European ECA? The European Clubs Association. European Clubs Association, like that's a major, you know, lobbying group in in UEFA. Resigning from that's, you know, they took so long to actually form that that organization up. That most of the the important roles in it were held by individuals of clubs that have uh, resigned from it yesterday. You know, that that's a big move pulling out of UEFA, knowing that this was coming, this backlash was going to happen, um, and and it was going to happen from UEFA immediately and going to be taken up by fans immediately. They didn't do this going. They didn't go into this blindfolded. They knew what exactly what they were doing, and um, you know, for for that reason, you have to kind of not respect respect them. In, in I don't mean in terms of oh respect for for doing this. I mean in terms of they knew what they were doing. They knew what they're getting themselves in for, and they wanted to do it, and they went through with it anyway. And it makes me think that they're they might actually be be intending to to do this, unless this is a last ditch attempt to to radically reform. The Champions League and UEFA and 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 generally speaking, club football in Europe, uh, it it looks like this is going to happen and it, it could have massive ramifications on 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 football. I know it might not seem us talking about it, but I'm sure we're going to get into it now. The the knock on impacts and and the the kind of the consequences that have been discussed by UEFA by each of these teams' leagues. Uh, it's like six teams and six teams in the Premier League, three teams in La Liga, a further two clubs, three clubs from um, Italy. You know, you know, these are it's you know it's it's major leagues that are that are facing these problems, and and really, it could really reduce their their global their global appeal if these clubs were to vacate those leagues and competitions. Yeah, like I suppose the the next thing to talk about is the ramifications. Like the fallout mm. of it has been, you know, that it was Alexander Seferin, the president of UEFA, came out today and he gave a press conference where he was maybe the only person so far involved in this whole this whole thing that is maybe spoken from, from his chest. Uh, well, and, and he's a Slovenian prosecution, prosecution lawyer, like he, criminal lawyer. He knows 
how to emote reactions from people. So I, I, you say speaking from chess, I think every word was calculated that he spoke today. No, it, it was. And, you know, I'm not, and this is not a, a conversation between good and evil. This is a conversation no. between evil and greater evil. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but I, 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 you know, Seferin, I think, has had a very difficult job uh, ever since he took over that position because it coincided with around the same time that the, the clubs grabbed um, all that power that they could have for guaranteed uh, teams in Champions League. Like, they, he never really had any control over these clubs. But at the same time, he always, up to now, had the understanding that their relationship was good, that they could work together, that, you know, this Swiss model that we've spoken about for for the last few weeks and months now, like, that, that they came to that together and it was the way forward and that he'd given them all the allowances he could, but he had to, it couldn't go any further than this. That You know, this was okay. We could rip up the current Champions League format, but it was still mostly a meritocracy with, the, you know, the exception of a couple of teams getting in off historical basis. Um, you know, that was a lot to to give into, but... <laughs> Today, I think he really um, he, he he let go of uh, you know just giving out to Andrea Agnelli, who is the godfather of one of his daughters. Um, yeah. You know, like they they had a very good working relationship. Ed Woodward Although, as well. He yeah. called he called the both of them snakes. Um, yeah. You know, they, he, he, it, it was good. This is to... a guy who fought in the Yugoslav the Slovenian War of Independence from Yugoslavia and was in the Yugoslavian army previously. He's not a He's not someone who just, um, he's not a keyboard warrior, if you will. Yeah, and when you consider the fact that up to the point that he had spoken, everything that we had gotten, and it was very little, was statements released by the club saying, similar to how we referred to the Glazers earlier, like very boardroom speak, this will this will be great, and you know, almost Champions League weekly type um, kind of interview, except, you know, way more vindictive. Um, and, and evil, really. So it was good to see someone speak like a human, uh, you know, even if maybe it was obviously politically calculated as well. Like that's that this whole thing is is power politics of the to grab control of the European game, and uh, you know, it, it doesn't affect just Europe; it affects the rest of the world as well. Because um, in the last fifty, sixty years, football has kind of revolved around Europe. Uh, and everything is kind of trickled down from there, uh, particularly the top five leagues. Like more and more, that's you know, fifteen the years ago. Yeah. Like fifteen years ago, did we refer to the top five leagues? No, as as we do. No, now? no one did. No one did. Yeah. So you know, that's that's how it's grown and grown in the, even just the last ten to fifteen years. Like you know, some of the things Seferin said as well. Like obviously, he's hugely against it. He, he's mentioned. That the the players can be banned from playing for their country. Well, you know, again, a lot of this will go to legal uh, battles, and both sides mm. seem very prepared to go there they immediately. Do. Um, you know, I saw uh, uh, the figure quoted of sixty billion could be spent on fighting this legal battle by UEFA. Um, so, and we know how much money the rest of the twelve clubs all have. So, um, this will this will because. The statement initially said that the the tournament will start when practicable, which, you know, that that basically meant it won't start this August because legally we won't be allowed to start this August. 
um, which could leave us in a weird scenario where we have to pretend next season is just everything is normal, while everything in the background is kind of fought for in the in the in the courtroom, which is, you know, that's a grim reality that we potentially face. So, you know, what yeah. do you think of that? Well, like, I'm looking at some of the some of the things that have come out even even as we were recording is is politicians have started talking about it more and more. And I know the sports minister in the UK, who's you know technically governing over six of the clubs who want to go in it, um, has talked about looking at every option possibly to stop this from happening. Now, I know this just from work, you know, from from previous uh, ventures into looking into this sort of thing. There is an an edict from FIFA that says that if your government in, is involved in any way in, in regulating football in your country, you are expelled from FIFA or banned from FIFA until that is stopped. Um, so you could see a situation where England and are removed from the Euros and banned from FIFA and their, all of their coefficients cancelled and everything like that and, and, and basically things like that if the, there was a move put in place by, by the Conservative government in the UK to, to, to block these clubs from doing it. And I think these clubs are well aware of that fact and know that if they go to court, they can bring up that up and, and you know, that'll... If, if they're denied... Um, leave to take take their place in this all of the, the whole football pyramid in England their access to, to European funding in, in terms of the Champions League and Europa Leagues and in terms of you know UEFA infrastructure payments or whatever else England FA the English FA and the Premier League get from from these uh, clubs will all be lost and that could have a knock-on effect on on, on the wider football pyramid in the, in the UK and, and therefore they could just let them go I think that's what a lot of these clubs around Europe are banking on um, I know Sid Lowe in, in Spain has written this afternoon about how people are upset about it, but there is no moral outrage the way there is, say, on, on, in the English media at the moment. I'm English-speaking media, English-language media. At the moment, they're, they, they're not happy with it, but they accept that this was an inevitability. I worry that is eventually going to be the accepted approach from everybody, um, that this is just an inevitability and we cannot like it, but... We live in a we live in a pragmatist world, and um, these are things that happen in a world that's not perfect. But and but can, can the Premier League and this breakaway league? Uh, you know, I hate referring to it as a super league because that's just there's nothing super about this. <laughs> Let's no. put it that way. This breakaway league can they actually coexist? Like I know the plan from these clubs is that they will remain domestically in their leagues, but they will, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's to replace the Champions League. Mm. Like, can they actually coexist or will they have to basically break away almost from the sport, if you think about it? Like, you know, if they break from uh, UEFA and FIFA membership, you know, are they even playing football anymore? They could make up their own rules. They They could, yeah. Yeah, what you know the endless possibilities for what they could do. Yeah, um, you know they could turn into a four-hour spectacle with twenty-minute breaks yeah. here and there all the time. Commercial breaks in the you know the the old M uh, major not major league soccer what was it called back NA, NASL North yeah. American Soccer League back in the day whenever there was an offside call they go to a commercial break and they'd have to have a break and play until they came back. Yeah, and you know stuff that you could compare to the NFL, say like a lot of them. Mm. Uh, European people do, you know, there's a lot of yep. a lot of kind of complaints that you hear in Europe about the NFL is there's too many ad breaks. Is that something they might explore as well? Yeah. Like that's certainly 
because so much of that is so much of this is influenced by American sports. Like that is definitely an avenue that they could go down if they are if they were to completely break away from FIFA completely, they would essentially become their own sport, their own regulator. Yeah. There's no reason why it couldn't go that far. Um, oh, and, you know, yep. They they want to bring in spending caps, salary caps. Like you yeah. know, it is it is very rich for them to come in and say that they want salary caps. You know, it is very much a case of oh no, we we want more money, but we want to keep that money. We don't want yeah. to give it away to anyone, even the people. We're not going to spend it on on the players or reducing ticket costs or or subsidizing fans traveling to games or you know putting matches on for free on television or on the internet somewhere we're not going to do any of that we just want to keep the money ourselves um and we'll probably start it up as a company in luxembourg or in the in the bahamas somewhere and and not pay tax in their in our host country as a result of that like you're completely you're completely right like the the closest analogy i have which which actually came about from a different uh, is baseball in the late 19th century when the American League formed. I think, they, yeah, there was a National League originally, which was National Baseball, which was the oldest league in, in American baseball. And then there's the American League, which formed out of clubs in a rival league who were, who were sick of being closed off. It was actually the antithesis of this. They were closed off. It was a closed shop and they wanted to, to play their own sport. They wanted to play baseball. They wanted to run their own league. And it became more popular than the National League. And they had their own rules. They had the designated hitter rule where you had one player who didn't have to do any any of the other work their their only job in the team was to hit the ball hit hit some home runs and that became massively popular and to this day that is a rule that only exists in the american league and please correct me if i'm getting the leagues wrong and doesn't exist in the national league and eventually what they had was uh, the two leagues not didn't form together but ended up having a a postseason match between the winner of both leagues and that became the world series in baseball and that's what we have to this day and it endures to this day although they've added bells and whistles to it and, and and playoffs and everything like that to it um but that, that that's what happened and it happened over 100 and something years ago 120 more years ago at this point um it could be something we're, we're heading towards as well um i i we could see like four hour matches as you say we could see them get rid of var or bring in more you know better var or they could do something completely different we don't know at this point um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do, and I wouldn't be surprised if clubs in general gain more power out of this. You know, the ones left behind, if we're going to call them that, in, in the normal leagues, might also gain more power and more more say over what is happening in the in the game and how it is officiated. Uh, that could be a nice knock on of this, but yeah, it's like one of the more latest quotes as well. I'm just reading. I don't know if you're upset with this, but apparently, um, one of the U- U- uh, UEFA EXO committee members has said that it's likely that the, these breakaway clubs are going to be um, expelled and banned from this season's uh, European competition. So that would mean Real Madrid, Man City and Chelsea would all be uh, ejected from the Champions League immediately. And also um, Manchester United and Arsenal from the Europa League. So that gives a, you know, a, a fine congratulations to PSG on just winning their, their first Champions League today. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I just saw that there as well. And there's also the quotes coming out from Caroline's Romanega as well. From uh, he's the CEO of Bayern Munich, and he he's come out and said in the strongest possible words, I suppose that you know they're not they. Uh, I'll read out the quote: FC Bayern have not been involved in the plans for creating a Super League. We are convinced that the current structure in football guarantees a reliable foundation. FC Bayern welcomes the reforms of the Champions League because we believe they are the right step to take for the development of European football. 
the modified group stage will and it just kind of yeah it goes on it goes on and on yeah i do not believe the super league will solve the financial problems of european clubs that have arisen as a result of the coronavirus pandemic rather all clubs in europe should work in solidarity to ensure that the cost structure especially player salaries and agent fees are brought in line with revenues to make all of european football more rational so you know Bayern munich definitely were um i suppose a week ago would have been expected to join something like this. Same with, with PSG who also um, have turned it down. I, I I don't know if they released an official statement yet on, on the topic, but uh, the fact that they um, have Something it, will it, follow, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they haven't is, is hugely significant. If they had if they had the initial 15 that we've kind of they said basically that they wanted in the three that we've speculated as Bayern Munich, PSG and Bruce Dortmund um mm. I think for them, they, their position will be much stronger because realistically right now, you know, that will be 15 teams from four, con- five countries, you know, the 15 teams plus, you know, 15 teams just, it's bigger. You know, it, it gives it more, the more teams you have, the more legitimacy you have. Whereas now it's half the clubs are from England and, you know, not that this really matters too much, but, Come on, we we we've talked about the matches where English teams have played each other. These six teams have played each other this season, and they've all been crap. Uh, you know mm-hmm. how many nil all draws the Man United have this season? How many <laughs> terrible matches did Tottenham play in this year under Jose Mourinho? Like, you know, who wants to watch yeah. these teams? So, um, you know that that I suppose is technically besides the point. Like, I don't think that really matters, and I because the flip side would be if they'd all played amazing games this season, it also wouldn't matter. No, um, it's not the point. Yeah. But it, yeah, it isn't the point. It's just you know, timing is everything, I suppose. But um, it's then yeah. There's also the fact then that like those five clubs that they want to invite in every season. My, I, there's been absolutely no information on what that would mean, which really speaks of a complete lack of planning from these people. Oh um, look, this Qatari team wants to be in the tournament this year. Let's let them in. Yeah, and that's why yeah. you know there's a few things around there at first my initial reaction was oh and this is pure speculation was oh they'll invite the winners of the five leagues that are left um this was when we still thought that clubs were breaking away from their domestic leagues and i thought oh yeah. you know that that would be uh that would be something um it wouldn't be good it wouldn't be a good idea but i was like oh that you know shows that they care maybe the littlest amount but no they don't and uh, now the fact that they haven't called it a European Super League, it's called the Super League, and they released the most Microsoft Paint-looking branding I've ever seen. Uh, um, you know when they call sure it that, that costs it, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know when we see that they call it that, it also raises the question of well, are they going to bring in an American team? Yep. Are they going to bring in a Mexican highest team, bidder? A Chinese? It'll be team? the highest bidder. It won't be. It won't have anything to do with. With um, it's not going to be a meritocracy. I think that's proven by the fact that, you know, of how many domestic champions are in the the that twelve? What Liverpool, Three. Real Madrid, yeah, but and like Bayern aren't there, yeah, like Juve, Juve, that's oh. it. Like, but this I, is, yeah, go on. But like, yeah, like look at the teams that are there as well. Like Tottenham are what seventh in the Premier League. Arsenal are ninth. Tottenham haven't won a major trophy since nineteen ninety one. They haven't won a league title since nineteen sixty one. Yeah, sixty years. Like, like, yeah, this is proof that it is not a meritocracy. And they, these people, these are not people who believe in a meritocracy. They are billionaires. Like they, these yeah. are the last people who believe. They're in the one percent of the world. Yeah. Yeah, and you know. 
fundamentally this comes down to capitalism is destroying every facet of our lives and now it's come for football um, well it was always there like that's and that's it, i want to play a bit of devil's advocate on this one sorry you go on but i want to play a bit of devil's advocate after you're done and yes capitalism has almost always been in football and let's face it has football gotten any better uh, in, in regulation in the last 30, 50 years? Not really. Everything has been about grabbing money here and there. It's never been about equalizing the game. This is just no. a, a step too far, I think, for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Because it, it, breaks the, it, it breaks the functional idea that sport is based on competitive balance, which this completely destroys. Because, as we mentioned, like these are clubs that haven't won things um like they're not winning major honors they aren't earning their way into this they just happen to make the most money like that's that's the real sport to these people mm. um you know that's what they celebrate and you know we've pointed that out in the past you know how many times has ed woodward had an investor calling meeting where he said you know we have noodle sponsors in china and stuff like that yep. and that's what he's championing dulux are our, our official uh paint sponsor of Tom yeah, they, they 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 champion these things. They champion having an Amazon documentary that made them X amount of money. They mm. don't champion the fact that you know Liverpool won their first league title in thirty years. They won a sixth European Cup trophy uh, under Jurgen Klopp, and and they're kind of throwing all of that history and tradition away um, for something nobody wants. That's that's yeah. I think why so many are so angry at this, and why so many are so sad at what's happening. Because again, it comes down to these 12 owners who have decided that they are above all of us, that this is this is something they can mess around with and do whatever they want with. And and the fact that there's no one really there to stop them, like we'll see what happens when it goes to legal proceedings. But there is a great feeling of helplessness that, that certainly I feel, um, you know, there's nothing I can do to really change this. And that is incredibly frustrating. And, you know, I, I'm sure I don't, I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that. So, you know, the, mm. it, it's capitalism is, I suppose, the, the the center circle of all this. But it is, of course, the people driving this. And, and the fact that no one has really stepped in to, to change things is or, or put a stop to things is, is what's really infuriating. Yeah, but that's that's the world we live in. Like a lot of times and, and that, people, that's what I mean. people, yeah. Like I, 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 that's what I mean when I say it's coming for football. It's come for football. It's been coming for football. Yeah. It's had football. It's, its roots are, or its roots are deep in football now, and yeah. you know this is the this is the latest in a long line of of money grabs, in power grabs, and and I think for a lot of people this is just a step too far. For a lot of people, like you know, a lot of people have compared it to thirty years ago when the Premier League broke away, but you know. A, a, as as bad as that was for a lot of people at the time, it it still kept the pyramid structure at the very least. It still had the you know, it still kept the basic idea that the cream will rise to the top. It just made yeah. it a bit difficult, a bit more difficult for those that aren't uh, already at the top to rise. Um, but we have still had success stories in that, like you know, Blackburn were able to uh, rise to the top. Leicester, of course, were able to do that, and they've they've done a good job of maintaining their position near the very top and, and i suppose if the six clubs get expelled from the premier league this season leicester will be back at the top um you know probably you know who knows how they'll work it out but that that's a whole other wrinkle to this as well um but the fact like it is it come it comes down to the fact that these clubs want to have 
themselves completely isolated from any kind of consequence to losing, which is completely against the concept of sport. <laughs> like that's why we have sport is to compete to see who's the best and who is not the best. And they're closing themselves off. They're potentially flushing the rest of football down the toilet um, by, um, you know, wasting away the money that 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 would that would otherwise go to the Premier League. Like that money's not guaranteed now because these are the six biggest clubs. Like they're in theory the draw for a lot of the TV revenue that they get, which is what props up all these teams. Mm. So you know, I think people have every right to be angry, um, every right to be annoyed about this and and i think that it, people have every right to blame capitalism and the people involved must for, crush uh, capitalism yeah for this for this issue yeah like um, to to go back I, I i don't disagree with anything you're saying and people are have the right to feel whatever they want to feel about this and they can feel portrayed and feel kind of left let down by the whole system letting this happen in the first place and given how the riches and the the massive gains of the of these billionaires and the these owners and and, and the, the sport that supports them, you know, it, it is a bit um, it is a bit depressing. the The reason I want to play devil's advocate is I'm I'm thinking constantly back to the early '90s and the changes in the European Cup to making the Champions League and how that was the first step towards this, and how and why I think almost that because of that, outside of these big we so call it, it's not even there's only three leagues involved in this, but outside of those big three leagues being annoyed about this and clubs existing in it and country and people living in those countries. Will anyone else in Europe care? Germany, have, have, they've been pretty adamant about the whole situation that they're not going to join it. No one in Germany is going to join it. They're happy at the way things are. France for now seem to be in the same boat, even if they have a lot of other problems going on in their league at the moment. And the rest of Europe has already been cast aside bar, you know, maybe Portugal, <laughs> maybe a couple of other countries who get the odd uh, appearance in the in the European competitions late on Netherlands maybe um most of these other other countries uh, ha- were left behind many years ago by by elite Euro- European competition and won't make much of a difference to their bottom line at the end of the day they're not getting much money from Europe anyway and they've never been really within a ch- like with getting within nurse's roar of of actually competing in these tournaments consistently for several decades now so why would they care if the the big european clubs as they like to model themselves have decided to break away let, let them off they would say and let everything else go on as as it was before and i i have a feeling that's what's going to happen in the longer term if, if this is indeed going to happen yeah honestly the idea of these six clubs going away from from their domestic competitions is honestly the only outcome here that I see as a positive. Um, you know, these six clubs can be gone from England. The three, three yeah. from from Italy and in, in Syria. In, Italy is Syria. Italy and Spain. Yeah, like I think that would that would leave behind a much more interesting um, form of European football. You know, you'd still have Bayern Munich obviously dominating Germany. Germany and France, I suppose, would remain unchanged, and France of their own, I suppose, disaster, uh, financial disaster that they have to get through and, and muddle their way through and, and PSG will be at the heart of that I'm sure but you know if if obviously you know th- this podcast tends to focus on the Premier League a lot so I suppose we should talk about that in mm. terms of what, what would happen if, if the six clubs were left behind like already you can kind of paint a, a, a slight picture of the fact that Leicester would be top, West Ham second Leeds and West Ham or Everton would be fourth yeah. and third so like that 
that would be it would almost be uh you know a throwback that we would yeah. get a, a more even uh a more even league it, it would almost be the first division they should almost rebrand it as the first division yeah i would be great if would, they did that yeah. that would be that would be very fun um you know the 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 consequence of that though of those six clubs will would be that the money would dry up um and that can't be forgotten as fun as we can imagine a 20 tween Premier League without these six clubs and oh my god anybody could win it yeah. and anybody could qualify for the Champions League because you would keep the Champions League as it is um, yeah. although I know they've agreed to change the model 36 uh, team yeah to, we won't go into that this week we've, we've talked about it before but that passed this morning despite all this the, yeah and the purpose of passing that seems almost completely irrelevant like they should have yeah. the second Agnelli basically stabbed Severin in the back he should have gone well actually let's not uh, agree to this just yet and think over with what's left yeah. Because, um, you know, there's a new uh, president of the ECA now. Um, I forget who it was that stepped in. Was it Who's Rumenega? left? <laughs> I think it was Rumenega. I'm not. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, so, so I won't say definitively. But it was, I believe, Kalefi of um, PSG turned down the opportunity to um, basically yeah. get a promotion there. Um, which, you know. I don't think he cares that much, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it might show as well yeah. that, you know, he doesn't want to take the big job because he's got an eye on leaving. Yeah, after, I still say that's probably Cup. likely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as much as it would be fun to think about what the Premier League could look like without these teams, and, and, and I think it could be fun because, um, you know, I, let's put it this way. My favorite football book is the the first division, the story or the title, the story of the first division by Scott Murray. And like, I love reading about how the first division was like a completely different league. You know, one year you would have Ipswich come up and play yep. a completely new style of football and win the league. And then Tottenham would win the league and copying Ipswich yeah yeah copying Ipswich Tottenham or Nottingham Forest could come up and they they could win two European Cups um in a row on the way you know there were stories um and there were great moments and that's the the fabric of the history of the English game and what makes it so exciting um you know part of that could come back um but the consequence is that you know these clubs get what five billion total from from TV revenue alone? You know that would dry up with these six clubs gone. That would that would massively fall apart. Um, you would imagine it would be hard to envisage them getting even a fraction of that money because the guarantees wouldn't be there of um the quality of the league. Um, you know there wouldn't be the best players, the best managers. You know the, that that kind of stuff. Um, that would that would yep. certainly draw down the asking price that they could get from the likes of Sky and BT. Yeah, uh, you just have to look. With, yeah, with the Champions League as well. Yeah, you just have to look to like Estonia or Croatia or uh, the Ukraine or like the Eastern Bloc. Effectively, is on what I'm talking about. You have to look about the impact that the the lack of regular European football has had in those divisions and the leagues on the, the the players they can attract and the quality of players they can keep. Polish teams used to regularly supply teams to the Champions League or the old Euro- European Cup. Now they can't get anywhere near it. Irish clubs similar. You'd have one competitor from the, from Ireland in the Europe in the European Cup every season. You had it in the initial phases of the Champions League in the early nineties. That that would be a miracle, and I'm not exaggerating. It would be a miracle if you had <clears throat> an Irish team in the early phases of the Champions League now like in the group stages, playing against these big clubs. And you had that routinely in the 80s and 90s. Um, that is, you're, you're basically going to look at that. What, what does Scotland look like? And that's what England will become. That's what Spain will become. 
that you know what what does Polish the Polish top flight look like? That is what's going to happen. You know, Belgium and Netherlands are joining together to form a Super League to try and you know to try and create a greater. Sorry, go on. To catch up. To catch up, yeah, with these other teams because they know they've fallen so far behind and because their coefficients don't work as well as they used to and they can't get teams like Belgium would routinely supply teams to the latter half of the of the of the European Cup and the and the Cup Winners Cup and the your UEFA Cup as they all used to be styled. Um obviously IX, Feyenoord, PSV all have won Champions League European Cups. Stoy and competed Soy Bucharest, like you're looking in Russia, the Dynamo Kiev, you know, the great teams coming from Dynamo Kiev. Uh, of the, the past, the, the Europe, that was a time when the European Cup was the European Cup. Now, yeah, it is you know, the Champions League, I suppose, has always been a bit of a terrible name because but the, the Super League, clubs, yeah, the, the, char- the yeah. majority of clubs that have competed in the Champions League aren't champions of anything, and also it's not a league, it's a cup. Um, you know, was the other thing. So, like, the European Cup as it was, was it was it was a beautiful thing, really. Like, we got, mm. uh, sure. you know. Yeah, it was pure. It, it it was exactly what it said on the tin. Uh, it was more of a Champions League then um, yeah. than what it is now. Now it is just the richest clubs play each other in European competition and they let a few smaller clubs in and that's their yeah. idea of trickle-down economics of, oh, the few clubs that get in, the Basels of this world yeah. come in and, and they get money and that'll trickle yeah. down to the Swiss League. And what it actually led to was Basel winning, what, eight leagues in a row before finally uh, young boys got a league yep. title there a couple of years ago. the same in France for many years. Yeah. And they won seven league titles in a row or something like that. Celtic um, um, for, so, yeah. won nine in a row in Scotland. Of course, there was mitigating factors of that with Rangers uh, going bust yeah. as well. But Rangers did the same with European football in the 90s when they were yeah. qualifying for the Champions League. When when this started to happen, when, when seeding started to happen and countries started not being... Given spots and 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 other and you know England suddenly had two spots or Italy suddenly had two spots like Manchester United winning you could say Manchester United win the league uh, the Champions League in 1999 was the worst because that that's when it came to fruition that's when a team who shouldn't have been in the tournament under the old rules actually won the tournament um, and it's it's never been it's never been the same since like the following year Real Madrid did it. Like team has done it almost. I think it's very seldom that an actual league champion goes and wins the Champions League uh, under the old qualification methods. You know, Liverpool shouldn't have won it either of the times they've won it in the Champions League era. Um, I think Manchester United the second time were champions when they won at that time. Mm. But like the majority of other times, like Chelsea. Real Madrid on multiple occasions when they won it, Barcelona have done it. You know, it's. It's um or well, maybe they haven't done it. Oh no, they did do it. I think when Pep won his first one, but like you know, it's it it just soils the whole name of the tournament. Really, they're not really the Champions League. It's it's a it's the same as the FA Cup at this point. It's a cup competition, and if you are fortunate enough to qualify for that cup competition, you have as good a chance as anyone else. And like we can't be revisionists about this either. Like we have enjoyed the Champions League over the years. It has been fun, but it's never had the same spirit. Um, as the European Cup did um, up until the early 90s. No, it cannot lead. But this is the thing, like, the, and this is what will happen, Declan, is 20 years from now when the, the European Super League or whatever, the Super League is, is well-formed and people have nostalgia for it and whatever the anthem is, people like. And, you know, it's, it's the top, like, honestly, like young, younger players now, I, I don't know for definite, but it seems to be the way that the... Champions League, winning the Champions League is up there winning the World Cup for a lot of younger players and younger people in general. And who's to say in, in 20 years' time that the Super League won't be in that same boat and 
you know, it can make you sad thinking about it now, but in some ways, and this is why I'm playing devil's advocate and all of this, in some ways, that's what the Champions League became to most fans of football throughout Europe that weren't in one of these big countries, that didn't have a stake in one of these big countries doing well in it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if this will sound naive of me or not, but when I think about the players currently at these clubs, I wonder why would they want to play in this competition, especially if they bring in salary caps. If you can make more money going to Bayern Munich or, hell, even a Leicester City, why would you want to play in a competition that has no history that you might end up coming ninth in and playing a load of meaningless games that don't, you know, further your career at all. Like, if you're someone like Bruno Fernandes who's come into Man United in the last 15 months and has kind of transformed that club, like, you know, he's probably eyeing league and, and Champions League success. That's what he wants to achieve at that club. And now he's going to, and you know, he might end up getting kicked out of the domestic league. He's going to get kicked out of the, the Europa League and the Europa Champions League. Europa League semi-final, yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's a trophy he realistically could have won um, yeah. for a guy who's, you know, near the peak of his career. Like, he's not got a huge amount, amount of time left at the top of the game. You know, he's, what, 27, 28 now. He's probably got another three or four years, maybe, at most, at the top level. Is he going to want to spend that establishing the Super League as something for these big clubs where he might not win anything? He won't get any plaudits because it's not like the fans will care. Um, you know, at least the diehard fans won't care. You know, maybe... Mm. You know, it, it remains to be seen what the fan attachment to this will be. Uh, and, you know, these clubs will end up not being able to secure the best players because they'll have these budgets put in place where it's like, actually, uh, I make way more money playing for Paris Saint-Germain than I would playing for Real Madrid, who came seventh in the Super League last year. Uh, meanwhile, PSG won a third Champions League in a row. Like, I think I know where I want to play my football. Uh, you know, that's that's what Neymar and Mbappe could be finding themselves in in the next few years, or Harry Kane even. Um, we talked a lot about last week so you know uh, I, that's the kind of thing that makes me feel like this won't even be successful for these clubs like they're just torpedoing themselves and everyone else because they think it'll get uh, a bit of it's a short term hit um, but like I just think it's a fundamentally bad idea like what draws people in is the idea that there's consequences to losing like when PSG or not PSG when Porto knocked out Juventus in this year's Champions League, like that was fantastic because Juve are the, the underdog, okay. yeah, yeah, the underdog won. What's who's the underdog in this European Super League? There's no one to root for. There's no, no. one to care about. There's no one that we want to actually see succeed. So yep. what's the point? Why? Why would anyone? Why would I be watching it? Like, and, and it becomes it like is, the NFL. That's but that's the reality. It just becomes a, a product that you can watch or not watch, and, and, and you have and no stakes in it, and that's R- it. R- Rory Smith summed it up. I think it was Rory Smith summed it up quite well that these aren't about playing matches all the time. It's about having content. I, you yeah. know, it's, it's it's not about the love of the game. It's about the social media engagements that they think they can yeah. get the viewership totals that they well, get. So Ed Woodward who who started a Manchester United uh AGM by discussing Manchester United's engagement on match day or something like that. Not yeah, on the trophies they'd won or the matches they yeah that that is what he started with and um similar things have been said. Manchester United I think that was in their annual reports this year. Revenue remained strong. That was their main you know that was their main output of, of the last few years. Um but again, to 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 hark back to my playing of devil's advocate, uh, I think you kind of answered your own question about who will play in this league, even if there's salary caps. I think 
you answered it earlier when you said, well, the, the money from Sky and BT will not be sufficient to sustain uh, the clubs that are left in these leagues. And that's just using the Premier League as, as an example, but the same throughout Europe. And all of that revenue will rush to this European Super League because they, they like what they know and what they know is these big clubs. I think in time, those leagues could recover and come back and, and maybe offer comparable salaries. But, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to if, they're, if their main money spinning activity, which is television and, and kind of coverage rights, the, the funding from that dries up. And I think it would overnight. And I think the Sky and BT and the likes that are terrified of it because the subscriber base took such a heavy hit when, when sport was off the air last year that, you know, I'd say a lot of them are on the brink of not collapse, but on the brink of rethinking their business model. And this is going to further redo it, and and maybe the the year of of ever increasing rights uh, contracts to to clubs is coming to a an abrupt end as a result of this. Um, yeah, like w- one thing that I, that I, again, like I might be sounding naive here when I think this, but one thing that might help what's left is the fact that in a way, Sky and BT will have to compete with whoever is going to be broadcasting this, and they they will want to secure. Premier League football, and they know they will have to know that the only way to compete with the with the Super League is to make sure that these clubs still have the money to draw in the best players, and uh, you know maybe that will help save what's left. Uh, again, we don't even know if these clubs will be banished from their domestic leagues. That is, you know, this is still speculation at the moment. Maybe by the time we come back next Monday, we're basically a part two of this conversation. Uh, we will know more. Like I've just seen here as well that. Uh, the British government uh, have said that they are going to... They have announced a root and branch review of football after the Super League news, which will look at the financial sustainability of the game, governance, regulation, the merits of an independent regulator, and fans having a greater save, say over the game, which, you know, this Tory government, I will... You know, I won't take them for their word just yet, but the fact that, uh, you know, it's taken this to actually have a Tory government look at this like that is that shows how big this new well, story is and, and the ramifications of it that they even just optically speaking have to come out and say that yeah. they're doing this whether they actually do it or not again yeah remains to be seen because who trusts this government well it's um, not it's, I don't it's not a case of, of of government or their policies it's just it's a very it's a hot button topic of course they're going to weigh in and say something about it but doing something about it when there's a lot of other not that football isn't serious, it's very serious to us, but there's a lot of other things going on in the world and this becomes just, you know, another thing to talk about and maybe the interference. And then you come into the situation like I spoke about earlier, where if you involve court cases and, and the implications of governments interfering with football in the country and then the eviction from FIFA of of those teams and the, the nation itself from competing in any FIFA-sanctioned tournaments or competitions... Um, really starts to to mess with things, and then the government doesn't really want to get involved because it's not worth the hassle. And I think a lot of the clubs are relying on that happening. You know, it, it, it I suppose it is a development that the that you know national national politicians are doing. But I'm hearing very little coming out of the other countries, which makes me think that the you know whether they they know that the writing's on the wall and and or it's not worth their political capital to to risk it on something like this. Um, at the same time, though, if 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 something significant happens in the UK that causes the six clubs to be unable to to attend this, then what's what's the point? Like, there are half the clubs involved, so why why bother with the the three? Who wants to watch a six team tournament with three Serie A teams and three La Liga teams? That that just seems completely and utterly pointless. 
when you know in, in this reality i've made up the premier league would basically go as it was which is already more popular than the other two leagues like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be viable at all so you know at the same time while i don't have much faith in the uk government to do anything here i don't really have much faith in anyone to stop this at all i think this will go ahead and in, in, yeah the in more it's the, it, the, the longer it goes on the more it appears that it's going to happen yeah um you know i think this is the future of football um and then and that we'll just have to not not that we'll have to live with it because you know we we have the option to just not watch it which could be yeah. significant um you know that's the power that we have is to not give them any money to to yeah. not support these clubs to go and watch what's what's left over and and maybe support our own local community uh football groups even more so you know that that is our option as fans um but the the, the longer this goes on yeah the, the 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 more it seems real um and yeah it's gonna be like you know there's there's still another week like you know that uh you know lemon it's wednesday from 30 rock joke you know it's, mm. it's still only monday as as yeah. we said earlier uh, jose Mourinho was sacked as Tottenham manager so uh you know there's still a lot left to go you know Jurgen Klopp is still yet to speak out I think he's a significant person in this all in all this because he's the only one who we have quotes from in the past saying he's completely against this uh, and he is a man that kind of has spoken like he has some kind of kind of moral code um in the game so you know will he be Liverpool manager this time next week is kind of a, a question on my mind so you know, this will rumble on, I'm sure, by the time this is published, some other news story will come out as well, and, uh, you know, what other thoughts do you have on this? Like, it's, there's so much in me at the moment, I suppose, that's, it's it's a struggle to really nail it all down, because you can be angry, I don't really want to be angry, I don't believe that it's it's going to accomplish anything. We all know <clears throat> these European clubs are out for themselves, nobody else. They're, they're not clubs as we, we want to believe they are. They are businesses um, who don't care about anything but the bottom line. I think that's clear from those, say, that Manchester United quotes from Ed Woodward over the years, from, you know, Agnelli making the flipping UEFA president a godchild to his, to his daughter, like that, that, or godfather to his daughter. I know that, like, it makes you think of how these people think and how they operate in their head. Um, I don't know what will happen. I don't know if all the leagues are as we know them, the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, whether they're gone and this is the end and we've had our last weekend ever of normal football, um, whether the FA Cup will ever exist again. Chelsea, you'd imagine, will be expelled from it now and Man City as well, not that it matters anymore. Does that mean we just award the FA Cup? Do we award the Champions League to Paris Saint-Germain who haven't yet left us in, in normal football? Is that right? The World Cup is still going to be on in Qatar next year. Is that right? It's still going to be, you know, UEFA has been proven to be an, a not well-functioning organization. FIFA has proven to be a corrupt organization with many years of, of fraudulent behavior still under investigation by, by law enforcement authorities across the world. Yes, they are the bastions of this sport. Like maybe the European Super League or whatever it's going to be called is a breakaway from all of that. And maybe it'll be for the better of the sport in general, it'll force it to look at itself and reform. Or maybe this will just be the, the start of the, the, the terminal decline of the game and we'll have nothing 
of any substantial level to, to look back on in, in 20 years time it could turn into its own version of cycling and instead of it being doping being the crisis it's this financial doping or financial protectionism or the closing the door to anyone who wants to play the game and and really eliminating grassroots from from any sort of um part of the sport and it, it seems such such a narrow-minded and closed course thing to do that you know there there must be something else at play here that's the only hope i really have that this is some kind of massive power play and an attempt by these billionaire owners to reform the game at its heart and they're really going to to task to do it they're really putting everything on the line to do it and risking their own future participation in in organized sport under fifa in this but I, I, I don't know. I, I, there's nothing about the 12 owners involved that strike me as people who have a love of the game. No. They have a love of money, and this is about extracting as much money out of their lives as possible, even though they can't in any way spend even a small percentage of it um, on anything valuable. You know, it is it is a waste. It, yeah. it is resources that could be easily given out to other people who are suffering uh, you know, there's a huge worldwide homelessness crisis. There's an economic crisis. People hungry in the world. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's a hunger crisis. People yeah. dying of, of preventable diseases globally in every country in the world, probably. Um, and, and these things are happening. Like, we won't go into that too much, but I know I know what you're saying. Like, I I agree with you entirely. Like, if, and, if we can go through club by club and look at the owners, ownership model, the owners of them, why they're doing this, like why this is an opportunistic move from Arsenal, probably similarly from Spurs, but they're under financial pressure for their stadium. Real Madrid and Barcelona are under tremendous pressure because of their complete financial mismanagement over the previous decades. Uh, and they need a way out. Juventus, they're looking for a way to maximize their profit and their global brand to support the rest of their, of their motor brands. I think that's kind of part of what's happening. Uh, Juventus has always been a marketing side of, of of the Agnelli or whatever the the organization is called now like Man City and Chelsea are just getting in because they don't want to be left out Liverpool is run by an opportunistic hedge fund that want to maximize the money they want we don't even have to go there but the Glazers that's been well documented like every club in this is scrupulous you know or has no scruples whichever phrase is correct in this matter they are not very nice <laughs> and um yeah we have to hope there's some overarching goodness guiding their their judgment in this but you know that's i think it's a hope declan it's all i have at this point yeah i suppose that's all we have left and uh I anyway Jose Mourinho got sacked yeah you know yes uh <laughs> that that could happen you know um the first of the super league era the breakaway era yeah sacked. is there yeah. anything else to say declan i don't know it's it's been you know we're 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 ones for the the downhearted podcast, but is this the end of football? No, it, it's not the end of football. Football will always exist. Nah. It, will, it will always be something we can play on Wednesday nights whenever. Uh, yeah, whenever. <laughs> when's that happening, Declan? When's that happening? <laughs> yeah, like this is it. Like this is it. In the past year, could you tell? Like if you came back to me like fourteen months ago and said, "Oh yeah, there'll be no football. It'll be cancelled." And then there'll be a breakaway league where there'll be no fans and there'll be no coverage and even Sky won't go for it and BT don't want anything to do with it and Leicester City will be declared league champions and Paris Saint-Germain will win the Champions League and uh, everyone will be relatively fine with those outcomes because it means that the other clubs cease to exist as a 
viable organization. Like we thought Rangers were bad when they went bankrupt and then just renamed themselves and came back up through the divisions and all the, all the mess that happened with that. We're talking about that on a, on a, on a massive scale here. Like do, like I don't, we, we haven't hit the point yet, but is there like, do, do Arsenal, Manchester United, Man City, do they all go back to the conference now if they want to rejoin the league? Yeah, and I suppose there is a great visual image of, of the six clubs having to crawl on their knees and beg in 10 years after, you know, it all fails and the Premier League and the Champions League all succeed. Like, that's that's the ideal yeah. scenario now is that they all have to go and, and you know, eat their humble pie, as it were, and then start yeah. from the very back uh, like Wimbledon did after uh, many, many years ago under much worse... Yeah. Much more unfair circumstances. Um, so that would be that's that's the positive that we can end on the show is that yeah. in 10 years' time, the Glazers will have to beg on their knees uh, to get back into English football because there'll be nothing left and they'll have yeah. no more money and they'll they're they're they'll end up rotting uh from the inside out and their teeth will be falling out because they can't afford dentists. Yeah, scurvy, uh, scurvy yeah. will set in. Like, yeah. is, is it is it tremendously short sighted? Is it the worst decision? in football history or is there something i'm missing like like in theory he's a, he's, this no, could make a lot of money like go like jp norgan are clever people you know for the most part and they've done you'd imagine significant financial background checks on this and and have worked the numbers and modeled it all out and they think at the very minimum they'll make 3.5 billion euro from this is there something we're all like that jp morgan see and the rest was don't I, I, I think that these clubs are not very well run. Like, how long have we talked about how terribly run Manchester United and Arsenal are? You know, how, yeah. how long have we talked about Barcelona and Real Madrid? These are not well run clubs. These are not Snakes. smart people. <laughs> Snakes, yeah. These are not smart people in charge. I don't trust them to have some kind of information that the rest of us don't have because there's no reason to believe that. And... You know, I, I'm not saying for 100% that this will fail, but I do see a scenario in which this completely and spectacularly fails. And I will obviously be rooting for that um, because it's the it's the only way forward. And, it, you know, if them leaving causes what's left to see a kind of regulation uh, that can actually keep everything in check, uh, and then these clubs can go grovel on their knees to come back in 10 years' time. Like, I think that's a perfect scenario, really. If they're sacrificial lambs to save the rest of the sport, really. But, you know, perhaps that's naive. Perhaps that's too hopeful. Um, but it's all we have. Because, yeah. you know... I, it's I, the hope I that kills you, Declan. It's the hope yeah. that kills you. I, I don't want to watch this this breakaway league. You know, I don't think we'll cover it on the podcast if if it starts up. You know? Well, I for one welcome the new Leicester City po- Total Football Podcast. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, I do too. Um, let's you know, let's I relished, see what Jamie Vardy's eating for lunch this week. I, I relish the idea of these these remaining fourteen teams because we didn't mention Sheffield United got relegated, Norwich got promoted. Yeah, you well, know, maybe, maybe sh- not anymore. Maybe not yeah, anymore. <laughs> I relish uh, Sheffield United's championship charge, Premier League championship Premier League charge. charge. They're back in the. They're back in the game, baby. Yeah, it's Big Sam <laughs> never been relegated. Um, yeah, that's that's what we have. That's that's the reality we should be living in. Yep. Um, what six clubs get promoted like that? Are we keeping twenty the, the, teams? Or are we going to go to fourteen teams? And you know, uh, like that. These are the big questions we need to answer on this podcast now. Who who gets promoted from the championship? Do we just br- to promote the top, the bottom, the six clubs in the playoffs? Promote, uh, no, no, we promote the top four, and then we have two more teams come through in the playoffs. Oh, 
So no. like half someone in twelfth in the championship could in theory maybe qualify. Oh, so you league. extend it out. Yeah, oh, extend it properly out so that we could we could get some Premier League some random Premier League clubs. Is there a way we can get Sunderland back in the Premier League? <laughs> that would be that would oh, be the full circle of it. Aiden McGeady, yeah, that'd be glorious. Um Bring in do we yeah, like that's the question. Like and, and like in other tournaments, do we reinstate Borussia Dortmund into oh, the yeah. So they, it's they a is it it's a Dortmund on oh no, Porto are still there. So the Porto and Dortmund play a playoff to play PSG in the final? Well there's a fourth team as well, isn't there? That got Liverpool, out. wasn't it? Oh, it was Liverpool. Who is the next team in the last sixteen that got knocked out by Oh, Liverpool? we're really we're going down um And the Europa League final would be uh Villarreal versus Roma. Bring that Yeah, on. which you know, that's uh a tie, to say the least. I, I went I back mean, Roma in that, that, that. That could have been the Europa League final anyway, knowing. It could know. have, yeah, but it is the Europa League final now. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. This is, in, like, in there's Premier League matches happening today. Why? Like, why are, why are, like, as we speak, there's Premier League matches going ahead. Why? It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, like, the, we spent so much time last week going through the top four schedule. Now it literally doesn't matter. Nope. Um, which feels great, really, when you think about it. Um, it does, yeah. You know, well, like, Everton could still win the Premier League, you know? The, I don't think we would have said... Yeah, imagine that, that 12, 14 months ago if I said the title race is now between Leicester City, West Ham, and Everton. Could you imagine yeah, that? Like, that, that? That was our... Uh, see, I think if you were to decide the Premier League title from what's left, you have to take out the results from the top six teams as well. Yeah, But does that hit um, things? West Ham probably got hit the worst. Did they? I don't know. I, I I saw someone post the table, but I, I I can't remember who was on top, or I can't remember who posted it. I think it might have had West Ham on top. Oh really? And Leeds second. Um, but I'm oh, not sure. Oh, because sure Leeds have had a terrible time against the big teams. Yeah. Anyway, we're we could go on and on <laughs> on this second. Uh, yeah, and we will again next week, presumably. Yeah. Because <laughs> when whatever is left of football is discussed, yeah. We yeah, might know right. better whether like the Champions League is done and whether Paris Saint-Germain have been awarded their first Champions League victory and whether Leicester City have indeed won the Premier League and the FA Cup. <laughs> um, and the FA Cup, yeah, League Cup. Double. Yeah, like they've won an unprecedented double in their, in their history, you know. Is, is that coming? I don't know. The, the reward Brendan Rodgers deserves. Um, yeah, like Brendan Rodgers is about to win a domestic double. Like, who would have thought it? <laughs> never doubted him, never doubted yeah. him. What a guy. So I think until then, I suppose, there's not much else we can really do. I think we've kind of, we've shared our feelings on the top. We've got it out of our system a little. A little bit. Yeah, like, I, I think there's a lot to digest on this. I don't know. We, we're, we're in so many unknowns, you know, we, we could delay recording. Yeah, like, really. we need more information. <laughs> like, I, 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 whether this is what, this reaction is what the 12 teams expected and they're coping with this and this is all playing into their plan. Or whether this is like they expected a bit more sub- positive support for them, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, it's not going. I, I can't see it going. In it's not going towards their plan at the moment. And whether there's something they can do to, you know, oh, we will give X amount of money to our domestic league, and that'll make everything okay. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I suppose we'll just see how the rest of the week plays out. Um... We're lost for words, Declan. We're lost for words. Yeah, I mean it's been a been a dramatic it's been a day. It's been a twenty four hours. Lemon, yeah. it's Monday. Um, yeah, exactly. 
so until then thank you for for being here andrew thank you for talking with me i suppose <laughs> yeah, we went momentous we... day that will live in infamy yeah it's certainly historic um yeah but until then we'll be back again i presume uh next week thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode then don't forget to tell your family and friends about the show spread the word of the total football takeover the show can also be found on podcast services including spotify by searching total football podcast you can also subscribe to my own Substack at declanhart.substack.com, where I publish two weekly newsletters that will often go further in-depth on topics discussed during our shows. Those pieces can also be found on Medium at medium.com slash at cheesyheartbun, H-I-R-T-E. You can also follow Andrew on Twitter at combon 27 and myself at cheesyheartbun. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.